who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Some of you may think a podcast about representation, it's not for me. But if you're a human being, then the podcast Reppin is for you because we all represent something as people. So are you interested in knowing what you have in common with your favorite actors to best-selling authors and leaders in different genres? On Reppin, you'll meet notable people you think you know, You'll see what they show up for, and you'll see what they represent. It's an insightful, feel-good show, hosted by me, Evelyn. So come and take a listen. Reppin' is available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone. This is John Roca, one-third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. everyone welcome to another brand new episode of the geek buddies well we're back again this week with another week of geek news to have fun hanging out talking about all the things going on in the world of entertainment and in the world of geekdom i am one of your hosts i am the outlaw john roca joined as always by these two gentlemen I am Michael Hogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Silicon Valley, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and uh, House. Sure. House. I like it. All of it's there. All of it's there. But you don't... What's that, Mike? Yeah. Cool, 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 cool. We're going to be getting into so much stuff today. Thank you all so much for hitting play on this YouTube video or... Uh, hit and play on uh, us on the podcast feed if you're listening to us on that podcast feed don't forget for those of you who are youtube watchers please subscribe to our podcast feed it's always good to have as many people as possible there and you take us along with you no matter what you're doing with your day you don't have to look at our pretty faces to listen to our points of views on these things for those of you who are new thanks so much for taking a chance on us for those of you who are coming back we appreciate you hanging out with us every week to talk about the world of geekdom. Uh, all right, as it works for the new ones, every single one of us presents a geek news item. as three geek news items. We talk about it amongst ourselves. Take a break, and then we'll jump into our main topic. And our main topic today is the road to Loki. How we got here, uh, you know, we're on the precipice of episode one of the Loki series coming out next week before we drop a new episode or the day that we do drop a new episode. It'll be coming out, so we thought we'd jump the gun a little bit, get ahead of it, and talk about Loki, and also talk about some of the comments that were delivered 
by the head writer of the Loki series and how it's all going to work. So where shall we start? Who's first? Trailers, trailers, trailers. I said it three times, but we're only talking about two. Mm -hmm. Both of these trailers came out last week, but they came out right after we recorded. So we felt like we had to circle back and talk about them. The first one is from M. Night, Fool Me Twice, Shame On Me, Shyamalan. This one is called Old. (laughs) So this is based off a graphic novel uh that uh, the writers it's it, it's a pretty interesting concept it's essentially a beach that whoever goes there ages uh rapidly really impressive cast here we've got guy Gael garcia bernal vicky cripps thomas and mckenzie rufus sewell ken long alex wolf i mean it's a really really impressive cast but unfortunately with anything associated with Shyamalan, there is there is that hesitancy. Um, you know, his first three movies, I super enjoyed. His fourth movie, which was that was that Lady in the Water or was that The Village? I don't remember which. Village was... is first, then Lady in the Water. Yeah. Okay, so it was The Village, which I was not a huge fan of. Lady in the Water, which was problematic, but it did have some really interesting parts. And then he he kind of goes off the rails a little bit. I mean, The Happening, which. You know, I, I will say for for any trailer that Shyamalan releases or, or, or for a Shyamalan movie that is released, the trailers are always like, oh, this is good. This looks really compelling. The Happening is the only one that I was like, yeah, I'm not so sure about this one. Um, so like most other Shyamalan movies, this trailer looks very interesting. But just because of uh, the, the history of Shyamalan, mm. there is a little bit of hesit- hesitancy. Like Split ended up being a great movie. It was followed by Glass, which was not so great. So those are my thoughts on old. But gentlemen, what do we think of the newest flick from M. Night Shyamalan? Mike? I mean, you pretty much summed it up, which is that's a cool looking trailer. I mean, okay. I, I, uh, no, I listen, <laughs> listen. I, I think it's a cool concept. Uh, you know, you go to a beach, you age rapidly. Uh, it sounds like Fort Lauderdale. Um, but, uh, but, but. But like in, in typical, it's exactly what Shannon said, like there's been enough times where M. Night Shyamalan has been like, like he has a gimmick that he does, which is I'm going to show you something and then I'm going to wave my hands and it's not what you thought it was and it was something else. And he's relied on that for a long time and maybe he's not relying on it here, um, but you watch the trailer and you're like, okay, well, what is the reveal? What is the trick? What is the thing that's here? Uh, and I think that at this point, uh, he kind of, to to follow Shannon's sort of trajectory of Shyamalan's career, I was kind of cool on him. I remember we all went to go see Split. I was really pleasantly surprised. Uh, mm. It was really neat. And then when you found out that the really the twist at the end of Split, more than anything else, was that it was part of the Sixth Sense universe. And then Glass was coming Unbreakable. Out, unbreakable. Was, sorry, 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 sorry. Unbreakable. My bad. Uh, yeah, the Unbreakable universe. And so then you kind of get to Glass and you're like, all right, well, uh, Unbreakable was great. Split was kind of a nice surprise. Where are we going to get? And then you kind of got Shyamalan again. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of like watched this trailer. uh, And I actually believe the first time that I saw the trailer, I didn't realize it was an M. Night Shyamalan movie. And I was like, oh, well, this is interesting. Ooh, I'll go see this. And then it was like M. Night Shyamalan. And I'm like, oh, man, come on. (laughs) All that being said, I will probably see it and come on here and complain about it. So look forward <laughs> to that. Well, um, I liked this trailer. Uh, I, I'm, I, I was excited by it. I like the mystery of it. Very interesting. It's, of course, every Hollywood actor's worst nightmare going out on the beach and aging overnight 50 years. Uh, I, I love this idea of the fear of this, right? What is in this tunnel? What is in this place? What are these symbols that they find? What do they signify? And I think Shannon was uh, uh, on point here by talking about the greatness of this cast. This isn't just a name cast. These are actors with depth and complexity. They've done a lot of independent films, uh, uh, films that really require a lot of emotional depth to them to to bring these characters to life. In these films, Thomas and Mackenzie certainly kind of just slowly making a name for her step by step. She's got the new Edgar Wright film coming out as well. Alex Wolf, I really, I've, I've interviewed him a couple of times. Great dude, very smart kid. Knows where he's going with his career. A lot of people involved. You know, Gail Garcia, but certainly Vicky Cripps out of Phantom Threat. So I like this entire cast, but I do think you guys are being a little bit unfair with M. Night Shyamalan because apparently Ridley Scott can direct 30 pieces of turd and you guys are still okay with the Ridley Scott film. 
But if M. Night does two or three pieces of turn, all of a sudden it's, oh, I'm cautious. I'm a little cautious. And so, you know, he's made some bad movies in the past. I don't know, director who hasn't. And so, I mean, but he's kind of found his rhythm again uh, with uh, producing Devil and then doing the, what was the visit? And then, of course, with uh, with uh, with uh, Glass. Oh no, sorry, sorry, the other one with Split. And I liked Glass. I'm not. I don't. I don't uh, uh, concur with Shannon's points of views on Glass. I enjoyed Glass. So I think he's in a good spot again. He went through a bit of a mid-career swoon, you would argue, but I feel like he's found his rhythm again. And so I look forward to seeing what he does with this. Plus, I think he's learned smaller budgets is the way to go. When he goes too far out, it becomes an issue and i would throw glass in that mix as well because i know a lot of people didn't like that film so, <laughs> first of all first of all i'm just saying <laughs> from prometheus on really scott can fuck the fuck off so first of all hold on a second okay go ahead go ahead prometheus and whatever the one that came after was it a covenant what was it yeah alien covenant yes those two movies can get the hell out. They're so awful. Right. So I disagree with you on my Ridley Spunk guy can do everything. He's he's on my list too. Uh, <laughs> I, I would I would I would push back on as a director. I think M Night Shyamalan had split, and aside from that, I don't know that he's found his rhythm. So I would argue that point a bit. Well, people um, are liking Servant is show on Apple Apple Plus. It's second season now. People are giving it glowing reviews. That's fair. That's fair. I've not. I've yeah. not checked out that. I will. Okay. I will just say that I do think that, uh, in general, M Night Shyamalan uh, at this point has has sort of earned a reputation for, uh, to exactly what Shannon said, for selling you on a really cool big idea mm-hmm. and then maybe not sticking the landing the way he did earlier in his career or sticking the landing more sporadically. All right, but we're about to hand Superman to J.J. Abrams. You want to talk about not being able to land his stick a landing? How come he doesn't get the same kind of uh, negativity towards uh, towards him that M. Night Shyamalan does? I mean, Shyamalan started out with four, four. I, I would argue, four really good movies. Then we get to, if I'm looking at then we get to Lady in the Water, which is arguably half and half. The Happening, certainly not a good movie. Then Last Airbender, which everybody spits on, and, and rightfully so. Uh, after Earth, nobody liked. But then it felt like he went away for a bit and came back with The Visit in 2015, like I said, then Split and Glass and Servant. So, you know, at some point, you know, people make mistakes in the middle parts of their careers trying to figure out where they belong. And now he's found maybe a little bit of them. But I hear you. Maybe we need to see a couple more uh, good films from him. Or will he always carry the stigma of, well, I don't know, every single time he doesn't move. I I, th- I think until he has two or three big ones in a row, okay. um, th- that, that stigma is going to stay. Because the difference between a Ridley Scott and an M. Night Shyamalan is M. Night Shyamalan is writing all of his movies as well. Like these are, uh, fair. you know, beginning to end, these are his vision. Now, yeah. Ridley Scott, you know, he obviously, ha- he has an impressive name. Like you, you attach yes. him to a film, it's going to get eyeballs on it. But there are times, like any director, sometimes he's a hired gun. He comes yeah. in, he, he does the job and that's it. And he does not have, he doesn't have the level of emotional attachment to his movies that you can tell Shyamalan does. Like mm-hmm. you, you can, you, you know, all of the Shyamalan isms that, all of his movies have Ridley Scott. I don't feel has those. I mean, I think Shyamalan has a very, um, very shallow bag of tricks. And when he has a solid script that he's working with that he wrote, then those tricks can work really, really well. But in the times when he hasn't stuck the landing in the writing, the, he's not going to be able to stick the landing with the directing. All right. I I give him a, I give him a little bit more grace because he does write his stuff, whereas Ridley is a hired gun. There's a difference. There's more, There's a higher degree of difficulty writing your stuff and directing your stuff and pulling it off. And I think he's done it more often than he hasn't. But I hear your points. I can see. Go ahead, Mike. What were you going to say? Because uh, I can I go through 10 terrible Ridley Scott films. Anyway, go ahead. Oh, every, I think what, the counselor? I think... I yeah. think Shannon makes a good point. Like every director, I can go through the Steven Spielberg movies that I'm Agreed. not the biggest fan of. So yeah. I I think it's less an issue of did you make a stinker or not? Because I think any director, any writer, any actor that we love, they, we yeah. everyone has made bad movies. You are correct about that. I think Shyamalan specifically has a you make 
movies that you keep relying on kind of the same thing and that thing doesn't always serve you. It's like when you look at his, the movies that he's directed, mm. it's not that this was a great movie in this way, this failed for this reason, this failed for a different reason. There's sort of this, like I said, it's like a smoke and mirrors thing that he mm. does. There's a, there's a reveal in the reveal and because he's writing and directing, that's sort of his thing. And so when that doesn't work, because like I will say, like you're right, the trailer for old is a great trailer and it mm -hmm. could be a great movie. What I am banking on, and I could be and I would be more than happy to be wrong about this, is right, you watch right. his trailer and you go, All right, well, what's the trick? Mm -hmm. Like what's the what's the reveal? Oh, right. Because you're waiting is, for the reveal. Yeah, this is an M. Night Shyamalan movie. So yeah, yeah, so there's an expectation of a thing. Yeah. And when you sort of know what you're going in what the trick, you know what the idea of the trick is gonna be, even if you don't know what the specific is, the trick either works or it doesn't. And I think what we've mm -hmm. seen like the, with The Village and some other things where you get to the end and you're like, oh, that's the trick? Eh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what, I think the, the difference with his movie specifically in a Ridley Scott or somebody else is that, is that you sort of are banking on what's the trick. So, so maybe he'll he, get away from that in this. Yeah, well, maybe he's his own worst enemy. Like he created that expectation and that's what really launched him into stardom. So now people are like, well, what are you going to do next? You know, what, yeah. what's the next thing? And so we'll see. Maybe you're right. Maybe he does branch out of this thing. Or maybe he kind of adjusts his approach to horror and still has the trick. But like like with uh, what Jordan Peele did with us, the trick is more effective than you think. And so maybe, right. maybe. It's All only right. possible. Well, that one is coming out July 23rd. Ooh. And our next trailer is for a movie that comes out the following week on July 30th. We got the full trailer for uh, Jungle Cruise starring yeah. Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Emily Blunt. Has some other big names in there. Has Paul Giamatti, Jesse Plemons, Edgar Ramirez. Um, so Disney since 2003 has been trying to recapture this lightning in a bottle that they found with Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm. They have tried to relaunch other franchises. You know, they resurrected Tron with kind of middling results. They had a huge bomb with the Lone Ranger. They had kind of an unfair bomb, in my opinion, with John Carter. And now they're going to Jungle Cruise. Now, on paper, this movie seems like it should just knock it out of the park because you have the Disney machine, you have The Rock, you mm -hmm. have it based off of a property. I mean, everything about it just seems like this should be a blast. And especially a blast for me. I mean, these types of movies, like I love I love a treasure hunt. Yeah. Um, this trailer, I mean, you get a little bit more, you get a little bit more of the effects, a little bit more of the story. This trailer, I'm I'm left wanting. I think Jesse Plemons looks really funny. I, I think he's playing like a German prince or a Prussian prince or something. But outside of that, it was like, ooh, this seems like filmmaking by the numbers and not mm. necessarily in a good way. Now, the director, um, is it pronounced Hame? Is that how you pronounce it, John? Oh, oh uh, Jomi Colette. Uh, Jomi, Jomi Colette Sarah. Sarah. Yeah. Okay, so he he is directing The Rock and Black Adam right now. So mm -hmm. clearly they they do enjoy working together. But the results of this trailer, I'm just a little I'm a little uncertain. I want this movie to be fantastic because I would love to see a franchise out of the Jungle Cruise out of the Jungle Cruise movies. Like I was at Disneyland yesterday, and the Jungle Cruise is not open right now. Mm. Um, but this trailer leaves me a little. A little concerned. It seems just kind of very, very by the numbers. But gentlemen, what do you think? I I like the trailer, but I absolutely concede your points here that it looks a little like they're not going to spend that much money on this thing. Some of the uh, special effects of CG don't really work as well as you were hoping. So this seems to be very much like the rock going back to like a race to which mountain time or the game plan time or these kind of like vehicles this feels like a vehicle for the rock where i felt like he's kind of moved past that phase of his career so this feels like a little bit of a step back that being said though i mean it's working with emily blunt i wouldn't turn that down if i was the rock she's a great actress she makes everybody look good and no matter what film she's in whether it's a good film or not I think she brings out the best in actors. So this looks like it's going to be their charm, their chemistry. It's going to sell this thing. And you're right. Jesse Plemons looks hilarious in that one scene. Hello. You know, it's <laughs> very <laughs> fun. <laughs> it looks very fun. Funny uh, in that respect. But it does have shades of Pirates of the Caribbean. I cannot resist thinking of Pirates of the Caribbean and the special effects they're using and these like pirate looking creatures that are, you know, made up of uh, of snakes or insects or whatever. So there's a lot of that vibe to it, but the CG doesn't look that great. What does look great is the charm between those two and the chemistry between Emily Blunt 
and Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And this director, he did The Shallows, which I really enjoyed, the Blake Lively film. He also did Run All Night, nonstop uh, for for uh, um, Liam Neeson, which I liked, uh, and then uh, Orphan, which a lot of people enjoyed on the horror side of things. So, um, you know, he's, he's an up-and-coming director getting some reputation. And if he picked him to direct Black Adam, he must have had a great experience with him on on this film, but doesn't mean it's going to be a good film. I don't know. I can see it going either way for sure, but I enjoyed the trailer. Mike? Yeah, I kind of, I mean, I uh, I know when the teaser came out, I was more excited about it, and Shan was more hesitant, and Johnny, I think you were, you were on the more, uh, you were in the middle somewhere, but mm. I will say that the more I see of it, the more that I am like, well, this could go either way. Because right. I do think that the two of them are very, very charming. Um, but I do think, uh, what, what's the name of uh, Davy Jones' ship in Pirates? Oh, the uh, Flying Dutchman. The Flying, flying Dutchman. Dutchman. Yeah, so all of, the, uh, all of the weird sort of creatures they're fighting do kind of look like the Pirates right. and the Flying Dutchman. Um, it doesn't look like it's doing anything super different. It looks like it's hearkening back to that movie of yesteryear, that kind of adventure on the Nile kind of story, yeah. uh, but with like a fun, you know, family-friendly Disney twist to it. And so if that's all it is, and it's kind of just like harmlessly entertaining, um, okay, but that's not really gonna build a franchise for Disney. I mean, I think that, look, for all of the facts that he's kind of problematic, Pirates of the Caribbean is Pirates of the Caribbean because Johnny Depp came in and with Jack Sparrow like just threw a curveball in there and as is well documented, a curveball that was so big that while they were on the set, the Disney executive on set was calling the studio and being like, we can't let him do this. Yeah. I don't know, he's playing like a drunk cross-dresser. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> he He's gonna ruin the movie and in point of fact, it is sort of that point of difference that made it not just a paint-by-numbers Pirates movie. And so I do think that similarly uh, with this one, if there's not something that really makes it stand out and feel different, if it's just sort of a retread of all the kind of action movies that we've seen before, it'll probably come and go and it'll have a nice little home on Disney Plus and people will watch it occasionally. But I don't know that it'll build a franchise. So I'm kind mm. of, I would, I would love it if there was something more. I'm kind of doubting that there is, but we'll yeah. see. Yeah. Well, as as Vogel said, it will also be on Disney Plus premiere uh, on July 30th, as well as in theaters. Cool, cool. Are All we right. going to see it in theaters? Are, we, are you going to go see it in a theater, though? Oh, yeah. Of course. I will. I will. <laughs> sure. I mean, you know. Um, all right. Where are we off to next? All right. Well, we are uh, off to talk about Bond. James Bond. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> yep. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um <laughs> So uh, John Logan, who is uh, one of the writers who's worked on James Bond, uh, he worked in Skyfall, Inspector, uh, wrote an op-ed in the New York Times this past week uh, about sort of the whole Amazon-MGM merger. Uh, and it was sort of his plea to, uh, to leave Bond alone and him expressing his concerns about what the future of the Bond franchise is now that Amazon uh, is a part of it. Uh, kind of some of the things that he pointed, he said in the piece, uh, he said, having worked as a writer on Skyfall Inspector, I know that Bond isn't just another franchise. It's not a Marvel or a DC. It's a family business that has been carefully nurtured and shepherded through the changing term, uh, times by the Broccoli Wilson family, who has uh, sort of a 50% stake in any, uh, in any Bond stuff and have contractual assurances that they kind of have ultimate artistic control of where Bond goes. Uh, he goes on to say, you know, what happens if a corporation like Amazon demands a voice in the process? Uh, what happens to the quality control? What happens if a focus group reports that they don't like Bond drinking martinis or killing so many people or the English accent is alienating? And so he's kind of just saying that his concerns that the Bond franchise is going to get watered down is not going to be what it was because this giant corporation is coming in and kind of steering the ship. And that in his estimation, the reason that Bond has endured for so long is because this family has had the amount of control that they've had. Now, I have a few opinions on that. Um, <laughs> but uh, before I say anything, what do you guys think about this? I know, like, I would actually probably say I'm the lead. Like, I think you guys both like Bond more than I do. Mm -hmm. So maybe my opinions aren't uh, as valid. So as, as more of the Bond fans of the group, what do you guys think of, uh, of what Logan has to say? Well, I'm not actually a big Bond guy. I mean, I can go and watch them and enjoy them, but I'm not a huge Bond guy. Um, and, and I do think um, he has a point that um, Amazon being this sort of massive, you know, this massive media giant, uh, they spend a lot of money. 
and yeah. that money has earned them a voice in the room like whether or not they will be the voice in the room who knows i mean uh but i i think it's i think it's a perfectly valid concern that it's like hey this this doesn't this doesn't appeal to a four quad this isn't a four quadrant picture we need to appeal to more people so bond shouldn't be drinking bond shouldn't be seducing these women like all these things that kind of you know people associate with bond they could have an issue with now because the movies have been doing so well recently i think they'll probably leave well enough alone but the first time it doesn't do well that's when i think they will swing in with their opinions and because i mean you know think about the last pierce brosnan movie i think it was die another day mm. um you know it, it did it did well enough critics didn't like it but critics aren't usually big on big on bond movies but they felt the need that they needed a creative reboot and they looked at how well the born identity did and they're like ooh let's 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 born bond up a little bit and i think initially people were kind of ooh by that but then the you know uh goldeneye came out and daniel craig was awesome and like it was fantastic so it'll be interesting to see especially once daniel craig once he's he's done um, which all signs point to this is his last one, that what will that reboot be? Well, what will that reboot be? What will the new Bond look like? And yeah. will he will he deliver Amazon packages? Yeah, <laughs> that's very... Here's your package. Uh, <laughs> here's here's uh, what I think about this whole thing. I, I, I res- Look, I know that I get a lot of crap for, on different shows for being the old man in the room and joking around about it, but I have a young sensibility when it comes to this kind of stuff the consistent thing in life is change progress always you cannot stop progress it is constantly well as is a line in a film the constant drumbeat of progress it cannot be stopped this is the next step in the process they sold their rights so as a writer who wrote specter by the way or co-wrote specter by the way you really don't have a lot of leg to stand on here because a lot of people didn't like that version of bond i liked it but a lot of people didn't. And it's not like the Bond films have been like Pixar and shit. Like there's a lot of not really good Bond films that don't hold up. And you go back, there's a lot of sexism in those films when you go back and watch them. But the actors who've played Bond have been overwhelmingly cool with Sean Connery, Roger Moore, George Lazenby, Daniel Craig, even Timothy (laughs) Dalton, probably the coolest he's ever been was in Bond movies. Pierce Brosnan, of course, Daniel Craig, the brutal transition into Daniel Craig has been great. But Amazon Prime has done some really excellent original films that are not afraid, afraid to tackle social issues, to tap, you know, to do action movies, not afraid to do. I'm I'm, I'm in the middle of a watch uh, of the fourth. We just finished the fourth season of Bosch. We've been watching that for a week and a half, all four seasons, and then jumping into five and six. And that's a pretty brutal, straight up, cuss heavy uh, show. So this idea that somehow they're going to change Bond into some family friendly Disney, I think it's way off the mark completely. I think Amazon Prime, the people might be involved in deciding the next Bond in that way. I think they have a right to at least be in the room and have their opinions heard of where they want to go. But I really don't think Amazon Prime is going to sit here and be like, no, no, we got to turn it into Fast 9, James Bond Fast 9. There's no way. Now, I think they're going to understand why the fans love Bond the way they do. And if you mess with that formula too much, fans are going to turn on it. So that's my overall opinion. Yeah, I think, I mean, I tend to agree with both of you guys. I think that, you know, not that, like, I don't think that studios and executives, uh, necessarily always make the right choices and I don't think they always know what sure. they're talking about but I don't think just because you're a family that owns a property you necessarily are a great storyteller either great point. Um, and I think that in my estimation uh, Bond works because James Bond is James Bond and he's inherently cool and I think he's cool enough to have weathered some really bad choices throughout the years in some of the stories that they've told so I think when you look at the actual storytelling of Bond and the choices they've made they've had some wins like the Daniel Craig transition to your point Uh, Mm -hmm. and I think that but I don't know you know how much of that was their choice how much of that was a studio executive saying hey this guy's great hey we should bring in phoebe waller bridge like i feel like this article is kind of painting a very uh simplified picture of how things work and to johnny's to johnny's point you know when we're looking at the streaming services when we're looking at what netflix is producing when we're looking at what amazon is producing when we're looking at what's happening on disney plus or any of these places it's like as we've said over the past several weeks or over the past year as we've been watching things come out like the quality of entertainment that we're getting is pretty solid. Yeah. Like, 
I, I don't know if it is, you know, in the case of Netflix, it's that they're just spending so much money on so much content that we're not really paying attention to the 60% of it that's garbage, mm -hmm. but we're really excited about the 40% that's working. But either way, uh, we're getting a wider variety of shows uh, with different things going on. And as far as Bond goes, you know, another thing he says in the article uh, is he goes, you know, the, the, having this family behind Bond is why we don't have a mammoth Bond cinematic universe with endless anemic variations of 007 sprouting up on TV or streaming or in spinoff movies. Now I read that and I think about what we talk about here on Geek Buddies every week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and how excited we get about cinematic universes with endless variations of their versions sprouting up on TV and streaming and spinoff movies. And I kind of go, would that be the worst thing for Bond? <laughs> like, would it be the worst thing that the Bond movies all connected in a broader sense and that we got further adventures and like built out other characters and did things like, granted, we're biased. That is the era of the movie that we're living in. But so to come along and say, oh, God, wouldn't it be horrible if they did that? I'm like, I feel like we're not on the same page, man. I think you're right. And this is what I meant when I was making my point earlier. That's old man speak. What he's talking is old man speak. I don't want to see my Bond do five different Bonds. A Bond prequels TV series on Amazon Prime with the brutality that they've already shown in shows like Bosch or the most recent Without Remorse, the uh, Michael B. Jordan one. They're, they don't shy away from some pretty stark uh, uh, portrayals of these. Plus, if you look at small acts, you look at One Night Miami, once again, they don't walk away from issues. They put it out there. Even uh, what's the one that Riz Ahmed did? The Sound of Metal. Like That's an interesting expression on going deaf as a rock drummer. Like this, They are all over the place in how they explore these things. So I would be more excited that a studio like this is going to have some say about the direction of a character. And a prequel Bond series where he's learning how to become James Bond, where he's being trained to be James Bond with a mentor of some that could be very interesting. Uh, and double O, it could be the double O series where you have different uh, people being double O six or double O eight or double O nine, something like that. There's possibilities uh, with that as well. There's nothing wrong with that. So it's just this fear of like, no, no, it's mine. We live on this island. It's a provincial island. Don't come near it. I think is a little ridiculous because you have to take chances with properties and franchise, especially one that's five decades old. And I mean, to your point, ultimately, and this we've seen this happen, like ultimately, you know who gets to decide what happens with Bond? The audience. Right. Like yeah, that, that ultimately is how it works out. We look for, for better or for worse and whether you like it or dislike it, you look at that new trilogy of Star Wars, which we've talked about plenty. And yeah. you can see that just given the fact that fans, some fans didn't love Force Awakens, some fans didn't love Last Jedi, most fans don't love Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> and you can see that because of the way that the fans reacted to those movies, Disney and Lucasfilm as a company sort of shied away from those and are leaning heavier into Mandalorian and Bad Batch and Ahsoka Tano and Filoni mm -hmm. is that creative executive producer or that creative producer. And so you can see that like ultimately what we like, we get to choose and yeah. maybe it takes a while to get there and maybe it takes a while to steer the ship, but you see what's working and you see what responds. So yes, if all of a sudden Bond is an American who hates martinis and works all day as a data analyst and nobody <laughs> watches it, I'm pretty sure that we will get back to the Bond that everybody wants to see because some great creative who has a new take on Bond that is the right take will come in and do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Shannon? Here's hoping, here's hoping for the preschool series, Little Jimmy Bond, <laughs> about the coolest toddler in daycare. Hey, wow. look, some people defend young Indiana Jones Chronicles. <laughs> some people defend I liked that, that show. See? I liked that show when I was a See? kid. I thought it was cute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Little Jimmy Bond. <laughs> Milk shaken, not stirred. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, well, speaking of new blood coming into an old uh, uh, franchise, uh, I, I'm tackling uh, this uh, story that's coming out here uh, that Jonathan Majors is in early talks at this point to co-star in the third uh, Creed film. This is coming to us from Variety. So you know that uh, Sylvester Stallone has uh, pushed that ship out to sea. He has walked away from it. It is going to be Michael B. Jordan's franchise going forward. Certainly that end scene in Creed 2 where they fist bump and Rocky doesn't even come into the ring was symbolic of the passing of the torture. And Michael B. Jordan will be writing and directing this, or he'll be directing, sorry, this film. It's from a script from Keenan Kugler, who did Space Jam A New Legacy, 
doesn't make me that excited. And Zach Braylon, who did King Richard, which did is getting some early buzz for sure. That film about uh, the Serena Williams and Venus Williams' dad. Uh, so that is an interesting combination of people involved in this. But you bring in Jonathan Majors, who I who I enjoyed in Last Black Man in San Francisco, which is a fantastic film. I think it's on Amazon Prime if you haven't watched it yet. And of course, he just did Lovecraft Country, and he's about to be Kang the Conqueror. And he was in Duff Five Bloods as well. He's an interesting, unique, unusual actor that really um, marches to his own beat, his own drum. When you're watching his work, it's fascinating because you never know where he's going to go. So I'm completely shocked that he is going to step into this role as the main antagonist to uh, to Adonis Creed here uh, because I, he doesn't strike me as a guy that would step into something like this. So this is fascinating. And, you know, the first film is basically kind of Rocky all over again. The second film is Rocky Four all over again, including Dragos coming back. This feels like Mr. T all over again. Rocky Three, where you bring in, in this unknown guy. You don't know how he's going to be. And I wonder how this is going to play. Gentlemen, what do you think of this idea of Jonathan Majors stepping into Creed Three as the possible antagonist for Adonis Creed? I mean, I think it's interesting. I mean, within the Creed series, and granted, we're only two movies in, um, his antagonists thus far in terms of actors have not been titans of the craft, you might say. Right. Sure, sure. Um, you know, the, the, first, the first movie was more about his relationship with Rocky. The mm-hmm. second movie, it was a lot of Rocky and Drago. I mean, Flor- Florian Montano did a stellar job. Like, yeah. it had had... Had the audience not been aware that this guy this guy was was a fighter, didn't have a ton of acting experience. I mean, he he did he did phenomenal. I think the fact that you're getting an actor of the caliber of Jonathan Majors, I, I think is points to an interesting story because it's the first time that they're really getting someone with a, a lot of depth to play the antagonist. In terms of like a career choice, I mean, Jonathan Majors is making some very, very interesting movies. Yeah, I mean, you right. look at the last black man in San Francisco. This is very much a character role. This mm-hmm. is an ex- this is an eccentric guy. You go to the Five Bloods, where I mean, he he is essentially the young the young lead. He's the young buck amongst this group of of Vietnam vets. Then he's going, I mean, and the same thing with Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country. I mean, he's he's like, he's the leading man. Then he's going to be the antagonist mm. in a Marvel movie, probably in a series of Marvel movies with Kang the Conqueror. And now he's going to a very physical role in Creed Three. I mean, if you saw him in Lovecraft Country, that guy is yoked. I mean, yeah. I, I can only imagine <laughs> the shape he will get in to play a professional fighter. But the fact that you have mm. a, a, a legit actor stepping into the antagonist role, I think points to a very interesting story. Yeah, Mike, uh, what's your exposure to the Creed franchise? Have you watching these films and what do you think about this decision? Yeah, I love the Creed franchise actually, uh, more than the Rocky franchise for me, because Rocky wasn't necessarily my jam as much growing up. And I think the Creed, actually to the whole Bond conversation we were mm. talking about, I think Creed is a perfect reason why you do need to uh, bring in new blood and be open to change. Because I mm-hmm. think that they managed to sort of tap into a way to sort of uh, pay pay uh, reverence to the Rocky franchise while telling a brand new story that's going to capture a brand new audience. And so I really like the movies. Uh, I'm intrigued by Creed three because uh, uh, you know the, the outline of the movie was from Ryan Coogler. He'd sort of outlined sort of where he saw these three movies going, yeah, uh, and then being written by a different team. Um, so I'm into it, and I think Majors is amazing. I I will say that like the thought of him and Michael B. Jordan being in one movie together, I don't. <laughs> Right? This is very interesting. They're very, they're very attractive men. Oh, I see. All right. Yes, that's an approach. I'm getting, I'm getting very, I'm getting very hot just thinking about it. It's a little steamy for me. I don't know that I watching them box each other and fight in a ring. Oh boy, what are you doing right now? Stop it! (laughs) Wiping sweat off each, wiping sweat, wiping sweat off each other's faces. All right, it's a whole new movie now you're making. Uh, <laughs> but yes, I'm very. I, I think it's great. I think he's great. Uh, I do agree with. I think he's an amazing actor. I do think he's he's really great. He's. I thought Lovecraft Country was great. Um, I'm excited to see what he brings. And I think that both he and Michael B. Jordan have a similar intensity in that they bring to yeah. the performances. So sure. watching those two act opposite each other and fight opposite each other 
in addition to giving me the hot flashes, is probably going to be really, really amazing. <laughs> well, I will say that's an interesting uh, perspective to take, and I totally appreciate it, and I respect that completely. I really do. Uh, and Shannon, you make an excellent point about the fact that, and this occurred to me as you were talking, like Tony Ballou, who played the villain, oh, no, antagonist in the first film, he's an actual boxer. He's not an actor, and that's kind of what they did with, uh, with uh, I think it's Andrew Tony in Rocky Balboa, uh, boxer, not an actor. And uh, with uh, with Florian Mentino, he's more of an up and coming guy, but more like kind of, you know, he's not really he's not leading any films anytime soon. But with with uh, the first Rocky series, you had Carl Weathers, who had already kind of made his name a little bit as an actor. And, of course, gone on off of the Rocky films to do Action Jackson, other things, Predator, what have you. So certainly an actor first boxer second so this is the first time where they're really grabbing an actor that's established to step in and play this boxer also the idea here is that the antagonists are never really the villain in the creed series that's the unique difference they are guys that they're being paired up against adonis is villain is himself it's always himself doubting himself himself confronting himself rocky has that scene in the first movie he's like no one's gonna be uh no one's gonna make it harder for you than the guy in the mirror right now looking at yourself and so that has been the difference between the two the rocky and the creed franchise so i wonder how this challenge will be further um of a situation for Creed to explore within himself how to overcome this challenge. And that speaks to how we perceive the world now as we've changed as a society since the original uh, Rocky film series uh, came out. So I like that. It's a great idea. Um, All right, let's take a quick break. Uh, We're going to jump into our main topic, talking all things Loki as we prepare for the series dropping next week. We'll be right back right after this. On the road with Loki. Okay, so so the, the, the I thought he'd do Rocky, but no, he's gonna do on the. Why road would road. I do Rocky? The, we just the main, finished a Rocky story. The main oh. topic is Loki, and the, it's you're gonna you're gonna write in the description the road to Loki. That's like, true. why not do not on the road not, again? You're not wrong. I would, about that. I would just like to say my favorite part about this is how angry Shannon just got. <laughs> Personally offended that Johnny did not agree with his choice. I, I apologize. Uh, <laughs> I had no idea it was going to elicit such a strong reaction, but I respect the reaction uh, for sure. Um, Guys, I'm really passionate about my music. <laughs> yes, clearly. And I certainly did not factor that into the equation when we started walking down this path with you. That's uh, for damn sure. I'm just surprised. I'm surprised that you call it music, but moving on. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. The passion's about to come back. Oh, no. no, no, no. <laughs> the angry composer, he's tapping his wand. Um, well, let's get into our main topic here before he does lose it. Um, uh, you know, obviously, Loki is right on the precipice of coming out next week, comes out next Wednesday, and it'll be coming out every Wednesday. This series as it goes along and that's some certain something the three of us have already spoken about how excited we are about it uh and we're going to talk about the road to loki how we got here but first let's start talking about this uh recent these recent comments from loki head writer michael waldron he was talking to total film uh and he was asked about the major ramifications across the mcu of loki what the ramifications might be and he said quote that would just be crazy conjecture Uh, all these stories in their own way are interconnected and have ramifications i think that's certainly our aim with loki the loki series was for it to have a have wide-reaching ramifications across the mcu moving forward so you know was i having to clean up some of the messes that i made with loki Maybe so. So this is interesting when you look at this. And he says, my pitch for the show was kind of a big, crazy, fun time adventure. The Time Variance Authority is just an entirely new world with a new cast of characters. And that's what felt most exciting about the show, building a new corner of the MCU. So, Mike, what is your I mean, you know, I'm sure you've been in a number of meetings with people who are pitching overall things. You've pitched overall storylines here and how it may kind of alter a universe or a well-held universe a well-established universe. So when you hear these comments, what does this, does this get you excited even more so, or does this make you a little trepidatious about what we might be getting in Loki? 
Oh, I think it makes me excited. I think, um, you know, kind of like as we were talking about the Jungle Book trailer before, and you go, okay, well, that might be good, but it's giving me everything I've seen before. And I think Jungle that, Cruise, Jungle Cruise, yeah. Jungle Cruise, yeah, I apologize. Yeah. Uh, Jungle Cruise. Um, and I think that with this, you look at just the entire concept of Loki, and you're like, well, I haven't seen anything like that before. And mm. the idea that they're probably stepping in it uh, with, the with, with time travel and multiple dimensions, which... I don't know how you avoid it. It's always going to cause massive issues for you. The fact that they're stepping into it, I think is great. Um, I think you're gonna, I, I think that as fans of Marvel, we probably have spent more time arguing about whether Steve Rogers is in his own reality with Peggy, in our reality for Peggy. Well, how does time travel really work? Well, Tilda Swinton said that if you remove an infinity stone, this happens. And the whole concept of Loki is, well, yeah, there's people that deal with that. Mm -hmm. and Loki fucked things up and they need him to fix it. And so, yeah, so I think that <laughs> I think that inherently that is probably going to have ramifications and mess with things, uh, and especially because we know that Doctor Strange 2 is coming right uh, around the corner and it's got a big mm. old multiverse in the title, and I think that those two things might uh, pop... I'm not saying it lead, one leads directly into the other, but as we're op opening up to multiple universes and timelines and realities and everything else, uh, yeah, there's going to be a bit of a mess, but it's going to be a fun mess. So I'm mm. excited. Jenna? Yeah, I would, I would think in different hands, in different creative hands, um, without, without, a, without a track record, um, this type of thing would be worrisome. It's like, ooh, that's, 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 those are some shaky bridges you're building right now. But because they have that record and you know we're getting into this this fourth phase which we still don't really know what it is we know we're getting a lot of new characters mm -hmm. but we really don't know what it is and you think about the other things that could potentially have ramifications down the line automatically you think of wandavision yeah that you know that that could be setting the stage for a mistrust of superpowered people and that could lead right into mutants how you know if that's just that's something the public or the the fictional public uh doesn't doesn't trust um as far as loki i mean the assumption i mean i think kevin Feige even said like it's connected to dr strange and the fact that michael waldron wrote on both of them is a pretty is a pretty strong indicator right. also we do have a another time traveling character coming in a couple of years with kang the conqueror mm -hmm. so does Loki, whatever Loki's story, does that affect Ant-Man 3? Certainly, possibly. I mean, it's it's the only time in, in media where the more I think Marvel gives us because of that track record, um, people are just going to get more excited versus, mm -hmm. versus cautious. Again, it only takes one big misfire for the public to kind of, ah, um, and, and Marvel certainly hasn't batted a thousand. Right. But but even their misfires are generally okay. Like they haven't done a true stinker yet, um, and I don't think Loki is is setting the stage for that to happen. Yeah, I, I, you know I like these comments. And look, you two are you gentlemen are writers. I'm not a writer, uh, uh, but uh, I, I play one on TV. No, I'm joking. But like you look at this. Am I frozen? Oh well, we'll just keep going. But you look <laughs> at this situation. Oh, you were frozen on a real doozy of an expression, though. For anyone listening to this on the podcast, you missed out. On, you missed out on a oh. real humdinger of a frozen face. Well, maybe that'll work. Maybe that'll work. But no, I mean, you look at the situation here, and you wonder to yourself. There we go. Now you can see me. All right. Good. And I might have to switch to my other camera, so I'm just setting that up now in case there's an issue. I keep Basically. waiting for the day where you accidentally do like the SNL sketch yeah. where you turn yourself into a cupcake. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> no. But uh, but I I like the idea of a writer saying I had to write myself out of some messes. I mean, you guys are writers, and you guys know one of the best things you can do is write yourself into a corner. Now write yourself out. You know, it really tests your ability as a writer test your ability to understand the uh, property of the franchise and the characters involved in it, what you can do. So certainly he ain't going to create a mess that Feige is going to be like, you know, it's more <laughs> a matter of like, you know, a mess like, oh, this is fun. This is interesting. Yeah. And I think he's got the caveat of the time variance authority. We don't know too much about the time variance authority. I think most of these characters are going to be created from scratch. So it helps to create these characters that will appear in certain moments to, in, to, uh, um, 
push your story along to create certain moments or events that are going to help to flesh out the story that you want to tell in phase four overall. I almost look at Loki, the series, as kind of being this thing that's going to drop all the seeds that we're going to see pay off as the phase goes along. And it's really smart how they're doing this, more so than uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, more so than WandaVision. Loki feels like he's Johnny Appleseed over here throwing everything down on the ground. By the end of the series, I bet we will have so many possibilities to be looking forward to as we walk into phase four. So I I think all of it makes me very, very excited for sure. And I like what he's saying uh, overall. And you both make excellent points. I think we're in the, the right hands for this to happen for sure but uh, uh mikey let's jump into and shannon let's jump into this idea of the road to loki like how did we get here where are we at uh mike do you want to start us off uh, let's get going oh well loki was born a small child uh, <laughs> on a frost father, planet <laughs> father was a frost giant uh no you know like loki has been great and like for the most part in the marvel cinematic universe uh they've they've stuck pretty close to the script i mean you know loki obviously for anyone who is a big fan of norse mythology has been around for a long time has always been uh thor's brother has always been a god of mischief uh you know and everywhere from uh from norse mythology to neil gaiman sandman loki has been around causing problems Mm -hmm. and uh in the Marvel Universe has been no different. And so with Thor 1, Thor 2, Dark World, uh, Loki was around causing all kinds of problems and uh, really made his big debut in Avengers. What's interesting about Tom Hiddleston and Loki is he was kind of lumped into early on uh, the Marvel problem, which is we really liked the heroes, but we all thought the villains were kind of meh. And I think people included Loki in that in Thor 1. Um, but man, Marvel just stuck to it with him. And so, you know, he kind of became the big bad in Avengers. Uh, and uh, then kind of continued to grow and evolve into mm-hmm. Thor Ragnarok, where we got to see, you know, a little bit of a different side to Loki. Kind of saw him and Thor team up a little bit more. And by the time we got to the end of, uh, we by the time we got to the end of Ragnarok, we were like, oh, we kind of like Loki. He's kind of a cool guy. And then we got to the beginning of Infinity War and he died. So there was that. Uh, And as we've talked about on the show, what they've done really interestingly with Loki is with Endgame, with all the time travel shenanigans, we sort of jumped back in Loki's character development arc, uh, back to Avengers, uh, the original Avengers movie, Mm. where he was still very much the villain. This was not the guy who had evolved and had some nice heart-to-heart brother moments with Thor. Uh, This was still the Loki that was straight out a bad guy. And so when he steals that cosmic cube and disappears, and we catch up with him, presumably in the first episode of Loki next Wednesday, this guy is not necessarily the original timeline Loki. Like he is referred right. to in the series as a variant. And a variant means that because of time travel shenanigans, there is a second Loki running around uh, that on his timeline, if you follow the tracks that we just did, ultimately gets choked to death and gets his neck snapped by Thanos. Mm. Uh, and now we have this variant who's kind of been pulled out, brought into the Time Variance Authority. Uh, and I mean, I think that's really what we need to know. I mean, beyond that, I do think Tilda Swinton's speech in uh, Avengers Endgame is probably going to be pretty important. Um, just when she's explaining to Bruce Banner kind of how the infinity stones work and that when you take a stone out of its reality, uh, it causes all of these variant, uh, variant timelines and all these bad things that can happen. And when you look at sort of the mystical map that she draws and all the tendrils that come off of it, and you look at the Loki trailer and you see kind of them explaining what Loki did, there's definitely a similarity there. Uh, And so this idea that Loki doing what he's done has sort of caused a bunch of issues um, that only a Loki can fix uh, is, is kind of like, that's, that's where we're at. Um, And that's, that's, uh, so that's your watch list. If you want to go and uh, get ready for next week. (laughs) Um, Did I miss anything? Anything else that you guys think is essential that we should cover as far as Loki goes in the Marvel movies? Well, I think there's a possibility that we will. I think we bring up a great interesting point that we'll see multiple Lokis, uh, at least two Lokis in this. There's bound to be a a confrontation. I mean, we saw two Hulks in Endgame, right? Uh, The uh, more adult intelligent hulk watching the beast from the first adventures and being embarrassed by that so there's already a pattern of that happening so why wouldn't that happen in this situation and there's been a lot of rumors about a female loki so this idea and we saw in what was it in dark world where he could turn into captain america like that he could turn in you know he's turned into um uh odin no problem 
So certainly the idea of him impersonating other people in certain situations, we have walked fully, I think, and we will with this uh, show, fully into the comic book world. You know, we're, I think we're out of this idea of superhero films. We are now fully into the comic book world. And by that, I mean no death is ever permanent. No one's really gone. Anything can happen. The second you introduce the time variance authority, as Michael did a great job explaining what the variant means, that could lead to so many different things, right? What happens with uh, Gamora? What happens with uh, Nebula? What ha- We saw two Nebulas in Endgame as well. What ha- Two Gamoras. What happens with all these situations? Is there a way to bring Black Widow back uh, from Vormir? I don't know what that whole situation is. Is there a way for him to stop his neck from being snapped? And if he stops his neck from being snapped or Idris Elba from dying, is there a way to turn that whole thing around? And if he does, how does that affect the overall ending that we get? Because remember, Doctor Strange said one way this thing works. There's only one way that you guys defeat Thanos. So if him messing with it means that they don't defeat Thanos, how far is this show going to go? Uh, The possibilities are endless and it's exciting for sure. Uh, yeah i mean the fun thing about the loki character and and this has happened sometimes with marvel is you get happy accidents Mm. um thor has thor does have a rogues gallery it's not a huge rogues gallery but he does have more than one villain but you saw like using loki as the villain in thor and then using him in avengers that seemed like a pretty natural a pretty natural connection thor gets introduced to earth Eventually, the Avengers are going to assemble. Like, so you need a big threat. You need a galactic threat, and Loki is a is a pretty easy one to use. They don't kill him very deliberately, and yeah. then in Thor two, I think, despite what people may think of that movie, I mean, I I personally enjoy it, yeah. but I think that was the first time the audience really saw the chemistry that Hemsworth and Hiddleston had as actors. Like mm-hmm. them having, anytime a hero has to team up with his with his arch enemy, it makes for an interesting story. But then you also saw how well they played off each other. And it was real like, oh, this is funny. And Loki always had sort of a, a villainous, charming humor. Then you get to Thor 3 with Taika and it's like, let's just blow the doors off the thing. And like, let's let both of these guys be funny. And you saw how funny, how funny they both were and how funny they could be with each other and how that kind of deepened that connection, which makes uh, Infinity War all the more tragic because you get the sense that maybe Loki has turned a corner that, uh, you know, at the end of uh, Ragnarok, he talks about giving him a hug. Mm -hmm. And so that makes that death so sad, despite the fact that this guy has been responsible for a lot of death but that's what's going to make the show so interesting is you got to see this one potential future and now it's like okay let's set him back a few steps and let's see what he does from here i mean i think the loki show the loki series is going to be really really fun and i I think when you have someone as funny as owen wilson who is also a good actor and people forget that a lot because it's just it's easy to look at wedding crashers and oh man that's crazy um you know he's actually a really really good actor and you get to see these two guys work off each other i think the loki series is going to be very enjoyable that was a good imitation oh thanks (laughs) wow yeah go ahead wow Wow, that was that was pretty good I i feel like lightning mcqueen is sitting right next to me but will, um, will, will, will there be meta moments, Mike? Will we see Vince Vaughn pop up? Will Loki become Vince Vaughn just to mess with him? Like, would we see kind of meta moments? Will we see a Lightning McQueen car drive by? It's Disney. It's under the umbrella. Is there a way that there are these little meta moments that work within the brand where certain people... Luke Wilson! Could he do like Luke Wilson standing next to his brother for some reason, like or a Wes Anderson vignette? I, like anything is possible. I feel like. I mean, the TVA remember. looks like Wes Anderson. That's already. what I'm saying. There's a possibility here. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, what do you think? Um, you know, I, when you have Rick and Morty uh, writers involved, I think that oh yeah, probably on the table. But it's also like a little goes a long way. Like that's right. one of those things that could either right. make or break. Like that's a that's a cute little Easter egg or a nod. And if it's too much, you're like, okay, now you're taking me out of it and cheap into the whole thing. So it's a it's a balance. But like like Shannon has said, I mean, I think at this point there's a level of uh, of we trust we trust the direction they're going. I do I do like what you said, Johnny, about us stepping fully into the comic book world because mm. I do think that what Marvel has done 
uh, quite successfully as they've gotten to the end of phase three into phase four is all things that you thought, you know, there was a time where when Guardians came out, everybody was like, holy shit, they have a talking tree and a raccoon. Is there nothing they can't do? And that was before we got into just the epic hugeness of Infinity War and Endgame and yeah. time travel and realities and multiple versions of people coming in and out of a thing. And they've really kind of gotten us to a point where you can have a show like Loki and have your average uh, pop culture uh, consumer take in something that is dealing with these multiverse, alternate reality, variant kind of ideas. Yeah. Uh, and even the ideas of like a Lady Loki or Kid Loki, which is another character that oh, some yeah. are hoping might come into it. You know, yeah. that throughout the years of comics, there's been so many versions. Uh, Lady Loki, I believe, I believe that La, that Sif uh, from the Thor movies, I think Sif's, Sif's spirit was missing and there was a human body that was supposed to inhabit her and like Loki's spirit inhabited her instead and like became Lady uh, Lady Loki. And mm. she was in the comics for a good long time. I mean, she was in Dark Avengers with Norman Osborn. Like Lady Loki yeah. wasn't just a one and one issue and done. I mean, she was around for a while and Kid Loki, probably most famous uh, for people who read uh, Young Avengers, the second big arc of Young Avengers, but he was pretty interesting too. So the fact that the comics have these different versions of this character and that this is a series that is dealing with different versions of Loki that's going to allow us to see these sort of different aspects of it. I mean, that's, that's some exciting stuff. I mean, there's mm. a good chance that lady Loki comes in and outshines Tom Hiddleston and becomes the Loki of the Marvel cinematic universe. Like who knows? Like anything's yeah. on the table. Any excuse to have Jamie Alexander be a part of the world more. I'm a thousand percent behind for sure. And she's supposed to be coming back in the new Thor movie as well, which they just finished uh, uh wrapped shooting. Um, but also this um, possibility, do you think we'll see them launch any characters out of this Loki series, right? there's Are they going to allude to Fantastic Four? Are they going to allude to a possibility to be X-Men? Do you think, is it Gore the God Butcher who's going to be the villain in uh, Thor? Do we see a glimpse? Do we see a, uh, a little bit of something that teases what might be coming down the road there? Uh, do we see Hemsworth show up? Uh, in as Thor, do we see Evans? Remember, there were all those rumors that Chris Evans was coming back as Captain America. Does he come back to do a little bit of a cameo in this movie? Even though he denied it, is there in the show rather? Is there a possibility that he sh that he shows up? I I think there's so many things that are on the table. And Renee Root does does he reverse his mother's death? Right? Does he find out his mom dies in dark during the defense of Dark World and turn that around? There's all kinds of uh, interesting situations here, for sure. Well, what is interesting is, I mean, I think Thor, uh, I think Tom Hiddleston actually said this in an interview. Uh, mm. Introducing the god of chaos into the Time Variant Authority, <laughs> bad, bad plan. Yeah, bad, man. Bad, bad plan, Mobius. Uh, <laughs> because, like, look, all, all the things that you're saying about reversing someone's death or changing something or doing this is exactly what the Time Variant Authority is designed to avoid from happening. I mean, right. their job is don't fuck with these timelines because you cause problems. And you've introduced a character in Loki who's going to go to other realities and meet other versions of him who are equally as chaotic. Uh, and I have, a, I have a feeling they probably like bit off way more than they could bargain for, which is why <laughs> Disney Plus has already greenlit a season two. Uh, yeah, that, that I that's think true. That, that Loki plus timeline equals everything you just said and more is on the table. I think more so than other shows where had WandaVision had Steve Rogers show up or Falcon and Winter Soldier like had done something like there's a, as much as a show about a, a witch and a robot living in a hyper sitcom reality is like, we're going to call grounded. It is more grounded than what Loki is. I mean, Loki mm -hmm. is so out there in what it's doing that him hopping to a reality where you see all the Avengers, uh, if they can afford to get them in there for an episode, wouldn't be out of the realm of what makes sense for that show. Yeah, yeah. All right. Shannon, any final words on this as we wrap up? I mean, in that shot where it, it looks like he's taken on the D.B. Cooper role in that plane, <laughs> I mean, he does say Idris, or not Idris, Heimdale and brother is like, you know, get ready. We see the Bifrost happen, whether or not... Idris Elba and Chris Hemsworth are on the other end of it. We'll see. But yeah. I think as Vogel said, with uh, with a series like this, um, nothing is off the table. Yeah. I mean, we haven't seen Hellas since Ragnarok, so 
just hey, there's a lot of stuff to explore here <laughs> for sure it'd be very very interesting uh for sure all right well there you go i hope you enjoyed our uh road to loki conversation and the entire episode overall we appreciate you all uh downloading this if you're listening to us on the podcast feed or hit and play here on the outlaw nation youtube channel for the geek buddies show shannon uh what do we have to tell them? yeah if you'd like to follow us on social media on twitter it's at geek underscore buddies on instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies if you'd like to follow me on social media on twitter it's at shannon underscore mcclung on instagram at shannon the geek buddy if you would like to follow mr vogel it is at mk tune if you would like to follow mr roca it is at the roca says mikey listen guys we got geek buddies every week we got bad batch every week starting next week we got loki we got a lot going on you want to invite everybody to this party because we are doing a whole lot of geek talk uh, and so here's how you can help us bring more people to that party. Uh, hit the like button below, subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page, uh, leave us some comments. Uh, we love engaging with you guys. We love hearing what you guys have to say. Let us know what you think is going to happen in Loki. Let us know how excited you are to see both of those hot men's in Creed 3. Uh, <laughs> because I know I am. Uh, then the other thing that you can do is if you are listening to us on... <sighs> Uh, your podcast, whether you got it on Anchor or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, uh, rank us there, leave us some stars, leave us some comments. It helps us go up uh, so that more people can find us. And of course, the best thing that you can do is to retweet this video, post it on your Facebook pages, send it to your friends, just pass us around. It's good. To more The more geek buddies, the better. Yep, there you go. All right. Well, thank you all so much again, and uh, we will talk to you next time. Like, and like Mike said, the Bad Batch reviews continuing every weekend uh, uh, with uh, with Laura Kelly, and then next week Emma Five returns to the Geek Buddies to be our guest for these Loki reviews. Emma Five coming back on. It's going to be a lot of fun to be back again with Emma. We had such a great time doing WandaVision with her. So look forward to that coming soon, and uh, we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode of the Geek. Buddies! Hi, I'm Madigan from Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, the podcast that explores the world through a personal, intersectional feminist perspective. I bring you two episodes a week. Every Monday, I cover something from a wide variety of topics, covering everything from feminist faves throughout history like Audre Lorde, listener coming out stories, and other hot button topics like toxic masculinity and the Me Too movement as well as plenty feminist history, the good and the controversial. And then every Friday, I bring you a mini What's in the News episode to keep you up to date with everything that's going on today in the world. And with over 580 episodes available to you right now, there's plenty of good stuff to listen to. You can listen to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rage on. Bye.